from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. Uh, Nehemiah 8, 1 through 12. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah and Shema and Aniah and Urijah and Hilkiah and Masaiah on his right hand. And on his left hand, Padiah and Mishael and Melchiah and Hashem and Hashbadana, Zechariah and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up of their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatai, Hodijah, Masaiah, Kalida, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Poliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they understood the words that were declared unto them. May God bless the reading of his word. First Timothy chapter 4. Four, please. And I do want to greet uh, Jeff and Meg. We had a really wonderful time at their wedding. Was able to meet their families, many of their friends, and just had a real wonderful time there over there in the Poconos, Pennsylvania. And uh, pray for them. They're going to be moving tomorrow to their new place together. And so they've got a lot going on here. They're going to be working also through the week and then heading out for Destination Unknown honeymoon on Saturday, right? So uh, you guys have a wonderful time, and really we're honored that you would come to show such a dedication to be in church today. 1 Timothy chapter 4 And I want to preach today, as I continue this series from 1 Timothy, we're calling the theme of Timothy, living out love in the local church, that we might learn how to behave ourselves in the house of God, is the key verse of 1 Timothy. 
And today we really want to focus in on reaching your potential, how to progress in your spiritual life to reach your potential for Jesus Christ. That's what Paul wanted for Timothy. That's what God wants of each of us. That's what I as your pastor want for you. And that's what I want for myself. I think we all want this. We know that there's a potential in us by the grace of God to reach. And we want to measure up to all that we can be in Jesus Christ. That's the message. 1 Timothy will read beginning at verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11, and I'll read down to verse 16 this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, which are the elders. Please read verse 15 and 16 with me. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So this message this morning, I'm just going to go down to verse 15. Let's pray as we begin. Now, Lord, use this time. May we each feel the responsibility and also the excitement to be all that we can be for you, Lord God, our great Creator, our loving Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, I'm holding here a a piece of paper, it's a copy of the original, but this is more important to me than any diploma I got when I graduated from high school or my undergraduate in college. I got a master's degree and I got an honorary, I mean an honorary degree along the way from Ambassador Baptist College and I I treasure those and, and I'm thankful for those. But this, to me, is the, is the best diploma that I have. It's a certificate of ordination. And back on February 13th, that was a lucky day for me. 13, 13th, that's what it says, the 13th of February. 1984, 39 years ago, coming up on 40 years one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine men sat on an ordination council for about six hours. And they questioned me about my doctrine, about my life, about my faith in Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, they decided that God had called me to preach. They saw the gifts and calling of God in my life. To preach the Word of God. And then that night there was an ordination service. And Pastor Gerald Martins, who was at that time the pastor of the Meridian Baptist Church in Newton, Kansas, he preached an ordination service for me. And he preached from this text of Scripture. And I've thought about this text of Scripture many, many times. I said, God, help me to live up to it. I know I failed and faltered, but I'm still here by the grace of God. 
I've never preached on this passage of Scripture. But this is what was preached when that night I was sent forth into the ministry of Jesus Christ. And I remember when I was kneeling in front of the church, like Raul and Sid today, and these men laid their hands on me back on that night in February, almost 40 years ago. And that's the picture of what Paul is even writing to Timothy about. Timothy had been sent forth by Paul and ordained for a specific task. I don't believe he was the pastor of Ephesus. I believe he was sent to Ephesus because there was a serious doctrinal problem that had infested the church. There was, there was heretics infiltrating the church. And Paul has sent Timothy there to fight the good fight of faith for, of good and sound doctrine. And he had to stand. This passage that we just read from verse 10 down to verse 16 is loaded with commands. There are 11 different commands that I counted in them. And verse 15, as I considered the text, verse 15 kind of stands out and really is the theme of this passage. For in verse 15, Paul tells Timothy, meditate upon these things. That means ponder them deeply. Immerse yourself in them. Live and breathe them. Make them a part of your life. Absorb them. Immerse yourself in them. Wrap up your life and occupy your whole mind and body and soul in them. Because that's what it takes to be in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And in a sense, that's what it takes to live the Christian life. You see, Paul is writing to Timothy these things because even he is not safe from the schemes of Satan and the false doctrines that were infiltrating the church. And none of us are. That's why we have to meditate upon these things and give ourselves... What does it say? Give ourselves how much to them? Holy, do you see? Absorb, immerse, wrap yourself. I mean, live it, breathe it. And then he says at the end, and there's the verse. And he says at the end of verse 15 that your profiting, that thy profiting may appear to all. And there's some beautiful words there that your profiting will literally be clearly recognized, that your profiting will be seen of men, that, that your profiting will be shine, will literally shine before men. The word profiting, the root word there behind that is, is this word shine. That your profiting and the blessing that is on you will shine to others. You know, when God has blessed you, when you're immersing yourself, and when we're really absorbed, absorbing the Word of God, we're shining to others. You may not even know it. You don't know how much influence you actually have. I don't think any of us do. But I believe your influence is greater than what you know. And that's why it's important for all of us to strive and progress to reach our potential. Because then he says that you're profiting. And that is literally a military word. It's the idea of making a military advance into new territories. 
and for, for a, 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 a troop of soldiers to go out and clear the way. Clear the way so others can come behind them. That your profiting may appear before all because we are in a battle and there are many obstacles and people need to somehow make their way through all those obstacles. And that's why we've got to meditate upon these things, give ourselves wholly to them so that our profiting, our prospering, our pioneer advance will shine to others and so that as we go where we never would have gone, and as we do what we never could have done, others will be behind you following. And so that's what Paul challenges Timothy here. To make progress to reach his potential. There's three things that I want to share this morning about this. Because progressing, do you agree with me? And here's the sermon. Here's, here's the, what we want to a- answer. Since progressing toward our God-given Im- potential is important. you agree with that? To progress, to reach and attain our God-given potential. And it's never too late. You're not too young to begin and you're not too old to keep on. <laughs> All of us are in this battle. And there's three things I want us to see today that we make this progress toward our potential, because this is important. And the first thing in the text is to guard your example. To guard your example. Verse number 12, Paul tells Timothy, let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Now remember, I mentioned earlier that there's 11 commands in this text. Three of them are right there. The word let... And then not to despise and and be thou are all actually commands in this original language. Let no man despise your youth. So Paul challenges Timothy to live a godly life. And what being a Christian does, and what being a a pastor does, what being a deacon does, but even being a Christian... And when you let other people know you're a Christian on your job, you know what it does? It opens you up to be despised. Criticized. And they're going to find something in you to criticize. Now for Timothy, it was his what? It was his youth. But for you, it could be something else. So he says, let no man despise your... For Timothy, it was youth. But what, what is it for you? What would you put in that blank? Let no man despise your what? It could be your older age. <laughs> it could be, oh, people used to say to me, I've told you this, they used to say, I was 25 when I became a pastor. So, and I looked like I was 16. And so they said, wow, you're so young to be a pastor. And now people are going to start telling me, are you a pastor? You're so old. Why don't you retire? Let the integrity of your life make up for the lack of years or whatever people find in you to despise. And they're going to find something. It could be your age. It could be your education. It could be your ethnicity. It could be the the country of your origin. Somebody, they're going to find something in you, something in your character, something in your background, something to despise, something to have disdain over you about. But he says, let no man despise these things because the integrity of your life 
will make up that supply of whatever criticism people may find in you. That's what Paul is telling to Timothy. So he says to them, let no man despise you, youth, but be an example. Now here's the picture of an example. It's a picture. It's a, t- it's a mold. So I have a picture of a mold up there with some butter cookies pressed into that mold. So what we need to do, we're going to be some kind of example to other people around us. Right? We're going to be either an example for good or for bad. What, what kind of example do we want to be? We want to be an example for good, obviously. Now, how are we going to do that? We have to press ourselves into who? Jesus Christ. Press yourself into what? The Word of God. Press yourself into Christ so that who is formed in you? Jesus Christ. That's the Christian life. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Let Him shine through us. So be thou an example of the believer. Press yourself into the image of Christ so that if others followed you, if others followed you, they would end up following who? Jesus. That's right. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. I say that to you. Follow me. As long as I'm following Jesus Christ. If I'm not following Him, don't follow me. Follow Jesus. Example. All of us are to be examples. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. All the believers in Thessalonica were examples. Philippians chapter 3. Go back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 17. There's many cross-references we could look up in all this, but we'll just try to limit ourselves to a couple along the way. But Paul says in Philippians 3.17, very clearly, as he was mindful that he was an example of others. First Timothy chapter, or, or Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so you have us for an example. Can we say that? Follow me. So that when there are other people who are not following me, will know that they're not ultimately following Christ. That's how Paul followed Jesus Christ. You have us for an example. And I recognize my job as a pastor, according to 1 Peter chapter 5, part of my job description, part of the job description of any pastor is not to take leadership in the church in order to demand and command people around. That's not the job of a pastor. To take lordship over people. Paul says, or Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse number 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, that's the people of God, the flock of God, but be examples, that's the same word, examples to the flock. My job... It's not to be a Lord over you. My job is to be an example to you. But that's, I believe, all of us as well. So we're to be examples of the believer. Titus 2.7 In all things showing yourself a pattern of good works. In doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. So, are you pressing yourself into Jesus Christ? Pressing the Word of God. Are you pressing the Word of God into your soul? 
So that Christ is being formed in you. So that you're an example of Jesus Christ to those around you. That's what Paul is telling Timothy. To be an example of the believer. Even when they find something to hate about you. And there's two main ways that I've broken down. And we're not going to get into each of these five very important descriptions, he says, we're to be examples in. But he says in word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. That's one, two, three, four, six. I have to learn how to count better. Six different things. So I've broken it down into two main parts. The first one is the public observable life. And the other one is the private a personal or inner life. So the first two really deal with the public life that everyone would see when he talks about, he says, in word, that's literally just the spoken word. What you're saying in everyday speech. So when he says in word, be an example in how you speak every day. That is, don't curse. Don't talk crudely. Don't talk demeaning to people. Don't speak proud. Don't speak with corrupt communication, Paul says, but be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Don't talk in filthiness, foolish talking, jesting. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So in word, we're to be an example and then he says in conversation, and that really speaks about our whole, our whole behavior, our entire behavior. So in our everyday speech, in our word, and in our entire behavior, that's our conversation, we're to be an example of the believer. And this, this word conversation is used in a lot of different ways in the New Testament. I would just like you to turn to one passage. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 1, if you could turn there. But Peter uses this term conversation also a number of times. And he talks about how we're to have an honest conversation. We live in the midst, we live in the midst of filthy conversation, filthy behavior. That's in 2 Peter chapter 2. That's a, but we can't, we can't fall into that. We can't fall into the filthiness of the world. Amen? In 1 Peter chapter 1, and look at verse 15, what kind of conversation are we to have there? I'm just going to ask you the question. You look at the verse. What kind of conversation are we to have according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15? What do you say? Holy conversation. Not, like, not, not what we were in the past, but we're new in Christ. We've pushed ourselves into Christ and His Word into us. Christ is formed in us. And so, a holy conversation... Now look down in verse 18. What have we been redeemed from in order to live a holy life? What are we redeemed from? What does it say in 1 Peter chapter 1? Look at verse 18. A vain, corrupt, but what kind of conversation it says specifically there? Vain, empty, useless pursuits of this world. And so we've been redeemed from out of that by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Out of our vain conversation, received by tradition. There's all kinds of traditions that will try to push us into their vanity. This world wants us to be conformed to the thinking of this whole system of the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. 
Don't fall into it. Be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So, our public, observable life, word, our everyday speech, our conversation, our entire behavior, and then our personal inner life in the next four. And he mentions here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, if you go back there, He speaks of charity. That's a big word. That's love. Paul wrote, of course, one of the great chapters in the Bible all about love. The bond of perfectness. The greatest of faith, hope, and love is what? Put put them in a... Faith, hope, love. What's the greatest? Love. Because it's enduring forever. So, love... In spirit, that's our character. You know, we communicate. Do you know you, you commu- we communicate with our words, with our, our gestures. We can communicate with our body. But we communicate with our spirit when we don't even know we're communicating. Isn't that true? I met a guy yesterday when we were at the, where is the Stroudsmore Inn. Is that the name of it? Did I say it correctly? At the Stroudsmore Inn, we were, actually my wife and I, went. they, they went swimming. Uh, we went swimming before we left. And a, a, a man walked into the pool. And man, he, he, he looked at me right away. He said, are you Jewish? I don't know why he said I was Jewish, though. I don't know. But I said, no. And, and then he's Jewish. He was Jewish. And he says, I'm a believer. And man, we had just great fellowship right off the bat. It was amazing. Like the Holy Spirit in him, the Holy Spirit in me, we had great fellowship. It was a blessing. So, in spirit, his spirit witnessed with my spirit. Have you ever met a Christian like that? you met people like that? It's like your spirit just witnesses right away. So, be an example in spirit. And then he says, in faith, in confidence, belief in the Word of God. Paul tells Timothy, be an example in faith. And I would just like to share my testimony here. In this day and age, I believe the Bible to be the inspired, inerrant Word of God. I believed it when I started 40 years ago, but after having studied the Bible these years, I believe it even more. Grow in faith. Get into the Word. In purity. Be an example. In cleanliness. He says in purity. So these different things. In charity, spirit, faith, purity. Be an example. I challenge husbands and wives to be an example to your spouse. And speak words To affirm and appreciate one another. Don't speak words of bitterness and words of condemnation to your husband or to your wife. Speak words that share and show your love, your appreciation, your your desire for them. I shared in the message that I gave at Jeff and Meg's wedding that I was feeling a little dull in my spirit about love, you know, and about speaking nice words to my wife. I'm honest about it. And, I, and so I, I went online. I was like, nice things to say to my wife, you know. <laughs> I was like, 
I, I, I got to get more creative here, you know? And, and I found some really great little sayings. And I'm like sharing them with my wife. And man, she just, she likes it. And so do I. Well, I'll give you one. Honey, I was looking for someone to live with, and I found you, someone I can't live without. (laughs) But there's a lot of things. Actually, I found really 115. I found 115. I'll send you the link if you need it. Like, when I'm with you, I feel stronger. I'll keep loving you during the easy times and the challenging times. There's two times I want to be with you. Now and... Jeff, you know the answer. Forever. Okay. (laughs) I gave that one at his wedding. But be an example. And I was just... And I have to say, I'm under conviction about what I said earlier. Please forgive me about what I said earlier about precious Jewish people. And I want to challenge parents to speak words and be an example to your children. More than ever, our children need moms and dads, as well as a church family, to be example to our young people. We're losing our young people. And the world, the flesh, and the devil, this system of the world, they're after our children like never before. We've got to be an example to them. We've got to encourage them. We've got to encourage them when they're discouraged and say, you know, get back up and never, it's never time to quit. We've got to encourage them if, they, if they're saved, say, well, God has saved you to serve the Lord. Speak words to them. When things happen and an unjust situation happens to them, encourage them by saying, you know what, this world isn't fair. We just have to trust God through the injustice of the world and remember what Jesus went through for us on the cross. The world doesn't owe you anything. We need to speak to our children. We need to encourage them to trust God when they cannot trace Him. Speak words. We need to be an example in our public life and our private and personal life. The second thing, not only must we focus on being an example And we must guard our example. But we must, secondly, focus on the essentials. Now, verse 13 is an amazing little verse. But it gives you, literally, key areas that the church did. And so we might wonder, what did the early church do? How did they worship? What was their service like? Okay, so this verse tells us Three critical elements. These are not just things that, that we're to do when we feel like it. These things are what we are to take heed to and even be addicted to, spiritually speaking. This is our addiction. This is a, in a world of addiction, this is ours. In verse 13, Paul tells Timothy, Till I come, give attendance to what? Three things. To what? Reading. Exhortation and doctrine. Those are the essentials Timothy is to focus upon. The word give attendance. You see where he says there? Give attendance to these things. 
It's the same word used in verse 1 where Paul tells Timothy that many are departing from the faith. If you look at verse 1, and what are the next two words after depart from the faith? What's the next two words in verse 1 after that? They're giving heed. What are they giving heed to? Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and demons. Giving heed. That expression, giving heed, is the same expression for give attendance or take heed. And I said when I preached that, back in verse 1, I said giving heed is the idea of they were, they were addicted to those doctrines of demons. And that's the idea of, of giving heed. They were giving themselves over to it and they had become addicted to these false doctrines. So Paul's telling Timothy... Not only don't do that, but this is what you're to replace it with. We have something so much better. Give attendance or give heed or or, or have this compulsion, compassion, devotion. Not for the fables and myths and doctrines of demons of this world, but to the Word of God. So Paul tells Timothy to do these essential elements. And these are not innovations but essentials to the worship service. And there's three things. There's the public reading of God's Word. And in our Scripture reading this morning, we we read an example of a Scripture reading publicly. Did you you hear that? what Micah read earlier? Go back to Nehemiah 8 for just a sec. Go back to Nehemiah 8. And... The people of God had come out of captivity. The temple was not yet functioning. It had been destroyed. There was still rubble all over the place, but they had rebuilt the wall. So they get together at the water gate, and literally they have a revival there. This is like a revival. And did you see how long they read the Bible? It says from like the middle of the morning until afternoon. For hours, the people are standing up. Hungry for the Word of God. Now, here's what I want you to do as you look at this passage. Look at verse number 8. I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 1. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1. And what does it say when it says the book? What's What's the word before the book? What does it say? Bring the book. Underline that. Bring the book, they tell Nehemiah and Ezra. And Ezra the priest stands up. And what does it say in verse 5 he did with the book? He what? He opened it. Bring the book. Open the book. And look at verse 8. What did they do with it? It says they read in the book. I like that. Bring the book. Open the book. Read the book. We must give ourselves to reading the Word of God. And this is talking about publicly as well as personally. Read read the book. And as I put here on the screen, the reading of God's law there in the days of Nehemiah recalled the people to God. It showed them once again their identity, who they are in this world as the people of God. It revealed their identity. And it restated their responsibility. So much they were under so much conviction. They were grieving. But, but the, Nehemiah said, no, this is a day of rejoicing. 
This is the joy of the Lord is your strength. But they were under conviction that they had not followed the word. They knew they needed to make changes. There's some amazing examples of this in the Bible of the public reading of God's word. And there's just one other. I'll just reference it. We won't turn to it. But in Deuteronomy, God told the people when they go into the land, I want some of you to stand on Mount Gerizim. And then I want the other half of the nation to stand on Mount Ebal. This is in the city of Shechem. And if you even see Shechem to this day, there's two mountains on both sides of Shechem. This is, the, this is the place where Jesus met the woman of Samaria. The woman at the well story happens in this area where there was a Mount Gerizim and a Mount Ebal. And half of the tribe stood on Mount Gerizim and half of the tribe stood on Mount Ebal. And they read in the law of God. And you could read about this in Deuteronomy chapter 27 and in Joshua chapter 8. That's where it takes place. But when they read the curses of the law, they read the curses of the law. And you know what all the people said? Amen! The whole nation. Amen. If I don't do that, I'm under the... Amen. And they read the blessings of the law and the people said, Amen. And Gerizim stood for the blessings and Ebal stood for the cursings. And and they just said, Amen to the Word of God. It's very powerful. The reading of God's Word. And go to Acts chapter 13. And this is just... The reason I'm reading this and the reason I'm, I'm talking about this is because this is why we do a reading of Scripture in our church. This is not an innovation. You know what an innovation is? A lot of things people do in church. <laughs> like, you know, a lot of churches have removed the preaching of the Word and now they just want to do skits and plays and performances of one kind or another. That's... That's an innovation. But for the public reading of the Word of God, that's an essential. And this is what the, the, the people did in the Old Testament. It's what the, the Jewish people did in their synagogues. And it's what the church did in the early centuries. And what we still do. That's why we do it. Acts chapter 13. Look please at verse 15. Acts chapter 13. It says, And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, If men, ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation to the people, say on. So the reading led to the exhortation. And we'll get to that in a moment, but that's the second thing that Paul tells Timothy reading and exhortation. So the reading of God's word. Now, but here's the amazing thing. And go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, please. And this is very important. What I'm saying here, this is very important. Because when we come into the New Testament, Paul tells the writer, the, the people of Thessalonica, look what he tells them. In 1 Timothy chapter, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27, he says what? I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. In other words, his writings, the epistles of Paul, from the moment he wrote them, were considered equal in authority to the Old Testament Scriptures. The Word of God. To be read in the churches. He says that also in Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 16. You can look at that later. 
But I want us to also go. Now go back to Timothy. And to me, this is so interesting. Look at 1 Timothy, please. Chapter number 5. If you look there, please. 1 Timothy chapter 5. And verse number 18. And Paul is writing, and he says in 1 Timothy 5.18, can you read it with me? It says what? For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Okay, stop right there. The Scripture saith that. It says that in the book of Deuteronomy, the law. But now notice the next phrase he says. And, and the and means what? The Scripture's still saying, are you, are you agree with me? And, this is what the Scripture says, the laborer is worthy of his reward. That's in the Gospel of Matthew. So here we have an Old Testament Scripture put with a New Testament Scripture right in the very first century of the church while the Bible was being written and inspired. But yet, Matthew's Gospel was already known by Paul to be able to write this to Timothy and it was equal to Scripture. So that... We can read any passage from the Old or the New Testament based on what the Bible teaches us. That's why I'm saying this. Is that important? That's important. (laughs) It's important. We know why we do what we do. We read the Bible. And then he says to exhortation, and I'll just hit this real fast. I believe that's really talking about the preaching of the Word. So the Bible's read, and then the Bible's proclaimed. It's, It's preached. Back in that Nehemiah passage, it says they read and then they explained it. So the people understood. So that's what I try to do here. That's what I'm trying with all my heart to do. Explain. Explain words. Maybe illustrate it. Help, you, help us all to understand these things. To give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to challenge you, to live according to the Word of God. And then he says to doctrine. That's the teaching of God's Word. So these are the essentials that we must give our to. We must focus on the essentials to read the Word of God, to preach the Word of God, and to teach the Word of God in the church. And so I say this to all of us. Whatever church you're in, wherever this church goes in the next 30 years, not many of us are going to be here in the next 30 years. Think about that. Think of how short of a time we're here. But what do we want this to be a place of? Where the Word of God is read, preached, and taught. Let's all commit to that. That, th- that people could come in here and will come in here and find a place where the Word of God is what? Read, preached, and taught. The doctrines of Scripture. That's what we want. And the third thing is we must live out our spiritual empowerment. And you know what? I'm going to start up with this next week. Because I would like to take a few minutes with this. But we need to live out our empowerment. And this is in verse 14. where I'll just read it. It says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So, Paul is telling Timothy here to live out or exercise your God-given potential 
and live out your spiritual giftedness. And the fact is this, when you became saved, you received at least one and perhaps more or a combination of you receive spiritual gifts in order to serve God with those gifts. And Paul is telling Timothy, do not neglect the gifts and do not minimize your giftedness. Do not make light of the gifts God has given you. Because that's what all of us have a tendency to do. To look at somebody else and say, oh wow, they're really gifted. I'm not like them. I guess I don't, I'm not gifted. No, you're gifted. If you're saved and have the Holy Spirit, you're gifted in Jesus Christ. Exercise that spiritual gift. Live it out. Don't make light of it. Serve God with it. We'll talk more about that next week. But reach your potential in Christ. That's, that's my heart for you. That has to be our heart as we serve God in our city. Lord, help me to live up to the potential that you have gifted me to live for, for you. Let's stand together as we pray today. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. We're going to sing a tender heart in just a moment. Let's bow together. If we could just bow our heads and our hearts in prayer. You're being an example. Other people are watching you. You may not be aware of it. You may not think. You may not think that your example is that far-reaching. But it's further reaching than you could imagine. More people are watching you than you're aware of. So guard your example. Press yourself into Christ. And live in your everyday speech, in your everyday behavior, Live it out of love, in the right spirit, with faith and purity. How many say, Pastor Matt, that's my desire to guard my example and let the integrity of my life shine to others that I could be an example to them, that they could see Christ and follow Christ when they follow me. That's my desire. I want others to follow Christ. And if they follow me, they will be following Him. Can I see your hand? Just put it up to the Lord. Commit yourself. Dedicate. Rededicate to this. And just say, Lord, help me. Fill me with Your Spirit. And when I sin, help me to make it right. And ask forgiveness. Help me to be an example other people might despise you for something, but live in such a way that they can't hold on to anything because Christ is in you and He's living through you. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Lord, for your great love. 
Thank You, Lord, that You have redeemed us from the vain conversation of this world, from the vain behaviors of this life, so that we would even want to come into a place like this and worship You and hear Your Word read and hear Your Word preached, hear Your Word taught. Thank You, Lord. And because the blood of Jesus has been shed for us, He left us this ordinance of the Lord's Supper that we're going to enter into in just a moment. This is for God's people. If you're not a Christian, just let the cup pass. But if you are a Christian desiring to live for Jesus Christ in obedience in this life, as you followed Him in baptism and now following Him in your life, you can feel free to partake with us. So Lord, please work. Thank You, Lord. Help our profiting, our progress, appear and shine to those around us. This is our desire, Lord. We have so many uh, faults and failings. But Lord, would You shine that others might see our good works, that You would get the glory. So help us to advance. Help us to reach that potential that You've given to us. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone here who'd say, Pastor Matt, I'm not sure I'm a Christian. I'm not sure that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And if I were to die today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. But I want to know. I want to know how to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Would you please pray for me, Pastor Matt, if there's anyone here today with any doubts about their salvation. Could you just please raise up your hand that I could pray for you today? You say, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I need Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone that I could pray for you? So now, Lord, please work mightily. We praise you and thank you, O God, in Jesus' name. Amen.